Hi, I'm Gabby. I am a senior library assistant. I use she, her pronouns, and I speak some Spanish and a very tiny bit of Japanese. Hello, I'm Amanda. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a children's librarian, and I speak a little bit of German and even less Chinese. And my name is Brittany. I'm a library services supervisor. I use she, her pronouns. I speak some Spanish and, of course, English. And this is the Ask Us Desk. We are the Ask Us Desk. We are library professionals who answer your questions about books, reading, libraries, and everything else. You can send us your questions to askuspod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at askuspod. So, how is everybody doing this week? Um, <laughs> I, feel, I would say better, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I guess my brain right now, besides work stuff, is on like how there's been, I think, what seven shootings within seven days. <sighs> so, my brain is kind of just there. I don't know. And how there will be no change that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just really stressed out about the rise in anti-Asian American sentiment. Yes. And just all the library workers out there, I know, that have to deal with that and have had to deal with that for a really long time. Um, just feel for them. And I, I don't know. I've been, you know listening with my husband to a lot of podcasts and talking to him and our family about it. And it's just really, it's bad. Yeah. There, you know, there are people in our family who have, you know, experienced anti-Asian hate before, like throughout their lives, just like everything from being teased about it when you're a kid to uh, one of my family members recently being, uh, spit on on her way to work and um, basically like a homeless man intervened to like try and protect her <laughs> yeah you know and it was just like I don't know it just seems really bad out there and like yeah it's I just I also have a lot of coworkers who have had to deal with it like a lot like people coming up to them and just at you know those sort of microaggressions of asking like hey where are you from all the yeah. way up to like refusing to have that person help them because they're Asian or whatever it might be, or just not listening to them when they ask them to comply to rules of conduct. And then I walk up and ask them and then they just like do it, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay. Um, uh, it's just, don't know if I have like a, an easy fix or exactly how much I can do as a white ally in a lot of these situations, but going to do my best. Yeah. I'm exhausted by everything. Me too. And I can't imagine like how much more exhausting it is for someone of color. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there and you're listening and you just, um, and you're white, um, <laughs> maybe just like look up the history of um, anti-Asian sentiment in America and look up Vincent Chin and all the more recent things. And there are probably local things that happened where you are, um, just so that you can be aware of 
what's happening, what's out there, and it's not great. Oh, has there been any other, I don't know if there's any library news that has happened recently. Oh, vaccination updates. That's something people are always posting about whether or not they're vaccinated. Have you both had your two shots yet? I've just had my first one. I'm getting my second one next week. I've had my second one and I'm, I will be two weeks out from the second shot on Saturday. So almost there. <laughs> Yay. Did you have any side effects or anything? Yes. So with the first shot, part of it was really unfortunate timing. I think I was already coming down with a sinus infection. And then um, I got the shot and my body was like, well, fuck you too. So I was okay for the first day. And then I woke up with the worst migraine literally in the history of my life. And that lasted for hours and hours. And then I was really sick for like a week. So did you have a migraine again after your second shot? No, with the second shot, I was fine. Uh, I had a really sore arm for like two days and a little bit of a normal headache. But other than that, I was totally fine. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I had after the first one is I had a sore arm. So... We'll see how next week goes with my second shot. What about you, Amanda? No, um, I, I'm i not qualified to get the shot yet in Washington. Um, but I think I, if I really hustled and tried, I could be on a waiting list to get a shot if there were extras. Yeah, anywhere. that's how I got mine. But I just haven't really had time to do that. And I don't know. Yeah, I, had, I just haven't investigated it at all yet. Yeah, I... I want the vaccine. I want it yesterday. My concern yeah. is like, I just don't want to take away a spot from somebody who needs it more. But I think I don't, I don't yeah, I don't know if, if, if I sign up to be on a waiting list, then the, the whole point is that they have extras. So maybe I should yeah. just try and do that. I don't know. I would. That's how I, I got would. it. I got it through the, the city that we work for and they had where people didn't show up for their appointment. And so they're like, we have to use them or they're going to go bad. And they're like, you need, can you get here by this time? And so I had to stop everything that I was doing and like rush there to be able to get it. So I got lucky with being able to do that. <sighs> yes, I think at first, like, yes, let's give the, the shots to people who are at risk and high have like higher morbidity, more morbidity, more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I kept saying morbidity. <laughs> <laughs> When do you guys say the word? Morbidity. Morbidity. Thank you. That word. I know the word. I just can't say it. <laughs> um, but now I feel like, is it for all of the U.S. or just Texas, where by the end of March, all adults will be eligible for it? I think it? it's just Texas. That's Texas specific. Okay. Yeah, March 29th. Okay. They're getting rid of the mask mandate and they're opening everything up. So I'm guessing that's good. They're like, hey, go get the shot. And there's a lot of people who are weirdly against getting it. So I'm just like, please, anyone that will take it, take it. Because that helps overall with stopping the spread of it. Although there have been cases that show that when people who have had the vaccine are still able to get it or pass it on. They just don't get as sick. Well, that's... um the vaccine corner there's like drama in the book blogger world i don't know if that relates to us at all there were authors on twitter and maybe some publishers that were coming out and saying that some book bloggers and bookstagrammers are basically 
they were equating to them to like scammers like don't pay them for like book tours things like that because it's like the scam don't do it but then it came out that some book talkers like tiktok book book tiktok people are getting paid quite a bit by publishing houses to promote books and so they're like why are you paying them but not us and it's just like lots of drama i've just witnessed the twitter threads and i do not get involved because i'm like <laughs> i post about books but I i've never i don't think i will anyone will ever pay me to hype up a book and that's okay because i do not really want to be told what to read hmm interesting yeah, the only other uh, Twitter sensation that I noticed earlier before logging onto this, also even more not related to what we talked about, is the the shrimp tails in the, oh the cinnamon toast crunch. Yes, and then I saw at first they were saying, "Oh, that's just like a collection of like cinnamon sugar," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Why do they all look like shrimp tails?" <laughs> Yeah. I love the guy's response to the, oh, it's just clusters of sugar and cinnamon. And he's like, I was going to let this go, but General Mills just tried to gaslight me. So now we're going to get these suckers tested. I'm like, you go. (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) what are y'all reading right now? (laughs) I just finished reading Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. It's a happily ever after romance novel about a woman named April Whittier, who is a geologist. And by day, she is digging through the dirt to find and look at contaminated soil. And at night, she is typing away, creating fan fiction for one of the most popular shows on television called Gates of the Gods. Um, But it's very clear that it's Game of the Thrones, or Game Game of the Thrones, Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak today. Formal. It's very clear that it's Game of Thrones. (laughs) All the way down to the little details about the two showrunners who ruins the end of the series because they ran out of book material and how they backed out of going to the con because they didn't want to face angry fans claiming that their workload was too heavy as they were just given a Starfighter series movie to create. Oh my god. (laughs) So I'm like, you're trying to make us believe that this isn't Game of Thrones, uh, but it is exactly Game of Thrones. (laughs) She posts a, a selfie of herself in cosplay, which is uh, something she doesn't normally do because she's a plus-size woman and she's always uh, been a little bit wary of the scorn of people online. And also she has very firm work-life boundaries, so she doesn't want her coworkers to see her in, um, in cosplay or know about her fan fiction. But she's changing jobs and she's thinking she'll have a fresh start and she can be herself at her new job. So she posts this picture and um, one of the actors of the show asks her out on Twitter after she posts the picture and she finds out that this um actor is like not doing this out of a publicity stunt but genuinely like is asking her out they go on a date it's very sweet um but he lies to her because he's holding back some information he is actually a person who's been a friend of hers for a very long time because he's written fan fiction on the same forum that she's wrote fan fiction on Uh, so he knows her pretty well actually from their like years and years of friendship online so there's that drama of like he's he's lying to her and she doesn't know who he really is because he doesn't know if he can trust her with that uh, information because if people knew he wrote fan fiction that basically criticized the series then he would be blackballed as an actor 
yada, yada, yada. I didn't totally buy any of that. I feel like he would have immediately told her like, hey, I'm this person and we actually know each other. And it was just there for some sort of artificial drama. That's romances. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I didn't really think the romance part felt earned either. I don't know. I just got finished reading a couple of really good, you know, sort of happily ever after romance series, um, like the Brown Sisters and a few other ones, like How to Fail at Flirting. And I read the Unhoneymooners. And those, I just felt like the relationships felt more earned. Like by the time you got to like the sexy scenes, you were like, yeah, like, of course (laughs) but with these I'm like they've just been on like a few dates she doesn't even know him like it doesn't it doesn't really um I don't know but I mean he is a movie star so or an actor you know in a tv show so I guess if there was if I was like one show that I like super was into and the actor asked me out I probably wouldn't say no for long (laughs) (laughs) you're like uh Hello, Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> that, yeah, that was on my uh, to read. I really want to read it. It looks it looks cute. Yeah, same. Yeah, it, it was enjoyable. I read it over the course of just like three or four days or something like that. It's very easy to read. What about you, Gabby? Um, I have just started Strange Practice by Vivian Shaw. The main character, her name is Greta Helsing. Um, which yes, is a take on Van Helsing. Um, but it's set in modern day and she's inherited a medical practice from her father and she is sort of the doctor on call for all of the undead slash monstrous creatures living in modern day London. So it's sort of an interesting take and she has like a good relationship with a lot of her patients. Um, one of the vampires you meet early in the book, I absolutely love. I think it's fun. I don't think I've read an adult sort of vampire adjacent novel in a hot minute, um, if ever. I'm enjoying it so far. Mm, both of those sound good. Um, I am reading Tomorrow When the War Began by John Marsden. It's a first in a... Uh, dystopian YA series it came out I think in the 90s and it's an Australian YA and I know it's kind of like a cult classic of a YA series and I've had it forever on my TBR I'm also participating in not just our reading challenge which we can talk about more of that in a little bit but I'm also participating in the pop sugar reading challenge (laughs) and this is for the prompt of ugliest cover (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Gabby if you could see this cover and how bad it is because my lighting here stinks yeah i can't really see it but maybe i'll google it i'll i'll take a picture and i'll send it um and we can post it on our instagram (laughs) (laughs) but it's ugly (laughs) but it's good it's very i so far very much uh do not judge a book by its cover that's what i'm finding here but it's about these group of teenagers who they decide that they're going to go um, on a camping trip into the Australian bush. It's far away from everybody. And they're there for a few days. And when they come back, they're, all of their families are missing. Nobody's home. Their animals are dead. Just like think, and their radios aren't working. TVs aren't working. Phones aren't working. And so then they realize that another country has um, another country's military has invaded Australia and their family has been rounded up and then it's just 
pretty action packed from there on. And but I really like the characters too. Um, it's written by a male author, but the main character is female, and he doesn't, so far, anyways, do a t- terrible job of writing a main female character as a man. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. If you like dystopian, if you like young adult books, I would I would recommend it. I'm about halfway through, so hopefully it doesn't end up being one where I'm like, ooh, I regret recommending that. <laughs> so. Well, this uh, week we're going to be highlighting our our reading challenge, not Pop Sugar, our reading challenge, <laughs> our reading challenge uh, prompt found in translation which is uh, books that have been translated from another language. So kind of like the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about this were the quote-unquote classics. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was forced to read Crime and Punishment in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, did y'all have to read that one? No, I didn't. Oh, really? I want to, though. I've heard it's good. Did you like it? It was probably the only book that I was made to read that I somewhat enjoyed. Um, just because I I think especially at the time that I read it, I don't think I'd ever read anything like that. And I didn't really have a grasp of what like nihilism was or anything like that, but it's Russian. It's written by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Um, it's a classic. I'm doing air quotes. No, it is a really classic. It is a book that I had to read before before ninth grade? Can that be right? Did they make me read? Wow. No, no. Oh, it was not. before 10th grade. <laughs> no, no. Before ninth grade, we read Watership Down. It was before 10th grade. And it was it's the story of this young man who is trying to psych himself up to kill somebody because he thinks in his mind it'll prove that he is a Superman. Like he is above humans that he, that that's what that would mean, I think. That's what? grossly oversimplifying it, but he's he's basically trying to like psych himself up to kill somebody because he thinks it'll make himself like I don't know really cool. I don't understand. You know, probably all these like active shooters out there read this book and were like, yes, I identify oh, with that. I don't know. Yeah. But he has a really hard time with it, and he kills his landlady, I think, with an axe, and then oh, he just like the rest of the book is him just like freaking the fuck out. <laughs> It's like a telltale heart, you know, it's like the beating heart beneath the floor. Like he basically oh like kills somebody and is like super freaked out paranoid about it. And yeah. Yeah. He wants to be like aloof, like, oh, I can just kill somebody and it's fine. And I don't know if you've ever read The Stranger by Albert Camus, but in that book, there's the main character kills someone and is like, eh, whatever. Like, what is life? You know, <laughs> you know, oh like you know, we live, we die, you know, it's like nothing means anything existentialism uh, so whatever yeah Yeah. um and that's kind of what um i think the main character of crime and punishment fails to achieve but what he's trying to achieve is is that so he's basically realizing he's not a sociopath yeah sadly (laughs) okay yeah okay (laughs) okay yeah no i've not read that i've never read any russian literature actually there's another one on my list that is Russian, I think. Um, but I'll let y'all talk about some. Are there any classics that you have read that are translated from a different language that you could think of? Um, I mean, there's uh, it's Gabriel Garcia Marquez's um, 100 Years of Solitude. And I read also his Love in the Time of Cholera. So those, I guess, might be more considered modern classics compared to, you know, like the classic Russian literature. 
both are good. Both, if you like magical realism, definitely pick them up. Um, they are translated from Spanish. Uh, they're beautifully written, and the translator translators did an amazing job um, in the translation of them. Which I honestly think being a translator for literature has to be one of the most difficult jobs because. You know, I'm sure as most people know, translations aren't exact. Like they're like in any language from one language to another, there's no exact, you know, translation. So like you're trying to keep like the feel, the theme, like what and then of course like keep the story going and and like if the book is written like beautifully in this language, you're trying to make sure it's conveyed in whatever language they're translating it to. Um, but I feel like for both of those, the translations were very well done. Another, I guess, more of a modern classic that a lot of people have probably read is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, he's a, I think he's Portuguese and it's written, was originally written in Spanish. What about you, Gabby? Can you think of any of the classics that have been translated that I'm thinking of like The Odyssey, you know? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was translated. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to talk about... Um... The Three Musketeers a little bit later, Alexander Dumas, but he also wrote The Count of Monte Cristo, which is certainly a classic. I just had one a second ago. Hang on. It'll come back. Oh, Night by Ellie Weissel is certainly a, probably again, so a modern day classic, but um, was also translated. Yeah, I'm wanting, that's on my to reads for this month, actually, is Night, because I've never read it. It's, it's amazing. It's heartbreaking, but it's so amazing. Because it was originally written in um, French, though. Because I think he found a French publisher because he moved, he lived in France a little bit after World War II, or for, I don't know for how long. I don't know if it was a little bit. Let me see. Where is he from? Oh, he's Transylvanian. Or he was Transylvanian. Yeah, he died in 2016. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that Knight, I, I guess that makes sense that it was a translation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize that. I also didn't realize The Alchemist was a translation either. Yeah, yeah. I think almost all of his books were written in Spanish. I've read two or three of them, and they're all pretty good, That all the ones I've read. One of my goals, so when I was in high school and when I was in college, I studied Spanish. So I can read it now better than I can speak it. I used to be more fluent, but I, you don't use it regularly. It very easily goes away. Um and so one of my goals was, I was like, I'm going to read Don Quixote in Spanish. I want to read Don Quixote in Spanish. Apparently, that was a really dumb idea of mine because it's like, you know, there's old English and then modern English, Don Quixote. There's like old Spanish, and modern Spanish. Yeah, no, I would never be able to read that in Spanish. I say that's yeah. very ambitious. Yeah, that's another one, Don Quixote. Yeah, that is another classic. Yeah, though it's been translated. And yeah, sometimes I have too min- too high of goals. I need to I need to bring them down a bit. <laughs> Even things that were written in Old English are now translated yeah. because we can't really read Old English anymore. Um, and I have this book of poems by Rumi um, that I've had ever since I think I was in junior high. I think I saw it at a half price book books and was like, "Can I please have this?" And so I've had that book of poems for a really long time. And so those were translated from, so 13th century Persian. I've read his poetry in English. I read like a full collection of his poetry. Um, I could not read <laughs> the original though. <laughs> no. And it, and it seems like um, he wrote in a bunch of languages. He wrote in Persian, Turkish, Arabic, Greek. It's 
wild to think about something that was written so long ago, you know, like it was written in the 1200s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any, um, I guess, more recent translated books that you all have really enjoyed? So um, I have not read, I have two that are on my two reads list that are translations. I have not read them yet. Um, but the first is uh, Three Strong Women by Marie Ndaye, which is translated from French um, by John Fletcher. And it follows the story of three women. Uh, one is French, and then I believe the other two are um, are immigrants from West Africa to France um, and sort of their stories and finding their strength and their place in the world. The author, uh, Marie Ndaye, won the... Prix Goncourt, which is a, a big book award in France. And she was the first black woman to win that award. So I'm really excited to read that. And then the other one is called Before the Coffee Gets Cold, sorry, Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi, which is translated from the original Japanese by Jeffrey Trusselot, Trusselo. And it is about a sort of out of the way coffee cafe in Japan and uh, time travel occurs in this cafe for certain people, but there are rules like the person has to sit in a certain chair and they can't leave the cafe after like when they're traveling back in time, but they do have to leave before the coffee gets cold. And so people go back to reunite with loved ones or to leave trinkets or to make some sort of, you know, last connection or get closure or that kind of a thing. And so I really love the concept of time travel, but very limited sort of the parameters of what you can do, who you can see, where you can go, that makes it that much more poignant. It also really reminds me, um, if you are into gaming, there is a video game um, called Coffee Talk. And which sort of has, it doesn't have the time travel concept, but it has the mysterious coffee shop concept where as the, the player, you play this mysterious barista and these different people come into your cafe and you sort of help their relationships. Um, it's a very chill game. Um, it's very character focused. Really all you do is make coffee recipes. So if you are into that, um, I also recommend that that book and that game both sound amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I um have on my list of two reads the the three body problem by uh, Liu Cixin and that book I read Ball Lightning also by the same author a while ago now so I might have to but apparently there's like a it's in the same universe. I don't think it's necessarily a prequel per se, but um, they're both science fiction. Uh, Ball Lightning is about a uh, the main protagonist, uh, Chin. His family was killed by ball lightning, which is this like phenomenon of lightning that can just kind of like, I guess like a ball, like shoot through. And it's like a documented phenomenon. But in this uh, book, he joins forces with, um, some physicists and studies it, and there's a company like a is it a company or is it the state is trying to develop weaponry using ball lightning technology? But yeah, there's like this sort of thing at the end where it sort of alludes to the fact that 
ball lightning behaves differently when it's being observed versus when it's not kind of like one of those physics things. And they noticed that it was behaving the same way as if it were being observed, even when it wasn't. Although I don't know how you know that, <laughs> but um, which they think means that it sort of like alludes to the fact that it's being uh, silently watched by this like alien force that's out in the universe. And that's the three body problem is about this like planet that exists in a like a solar system that has, I guess, three planets that are moving around. And so half the time it's really cold, half the time it's really hot. Mm. And um, I think they want to attack Earth. I don't know a whole lot about the book <laughs> because um, I haven't read it yet. But it's um, on my list to read because I remember enjoying Ball Lightning. But like, as you can tell from my sort of confused uh, retelling of the plot synopsis of that book, I don't remember it super well. But I remember enjoying it when I was reading it. So I think I would enjoy another book by the same author. Um, and that book won the Hugo. It's translated by Ken Liu, um, who is a science fiction writer in his own right, who's written books in English. And uh, yeah, I'm just very excited to read that one. What about you, Brittany? Um, so I have a few that I have read and I would highly recommend. Um, the first one is called The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafon, and it was translated from Spanish by Lucia Graves. It's set in Barcelona, 1940s. The main character, his name is Daniel, and uh, his father is like an antiquarian book dealer. And so Daniel's really into books, and he finds this um, old book by this author who's super mysterious, and the book is called The Shadow of the Wind, the author's name is Julian Carax, Carax. And um, so he goes on this hunt to try to find more books um, by the author, but he can't find anything. But what he does find is that it seems like every single copy of any book by this author is being destroyed. And he's like, maybe I have the last book by this author. And it's kind of like this hunt, this like literary hunt. Um, but it's also a fantasy historical fiction it's beautiful because he's also grieving the death of his mother so it's heartbreaking at the same time it's one of my favorite books it's beautifully written I would highly recommend it if you're a book lover which if you're listening to us you probably are (laughs) Um, and yeah and it is the first I think in a, a series or a trilogy I still need to read I have the second one but I haven't read it yet I believe it's called so um let me see if i can find that real fast it's the series is called the cemetery of forgotten books and the sequel is called the angel's game yeah it's really really good it was originally written in spanish and i found out recently that the author he passed away last year which is really sad another one that i enjoyed and it's also the first in a series it's both of these are probably known um both the shadow of um the wind and the next one is my brilliant friend by alana or elena ferrante and it was translated from italian by anne goldstein and it's basically a kind of a coming of age story of these two girls who are best friends in italy and there's drama and love and like you know betrayals it just it's really really good it's well written and if you like kind of contemporary fiction slice of life well not really slice of life but like kind of a coming of age stories 
I would highly recommend it. And then the other one, it's more YA. So if you're looking for a YA book that's been, or YA trilogy that's been translated, it's uh, the first one is called Ruby Red. It's by Kirsten Gear. And it's the first in a trilogy. And it has to do with time travel. And there's romance with this really cute boy who's like a know-it-all. And so she like, it's kind of a little bit of like enemies to lovers, but like they also like, they both want each other, but they won't admit it type of tropes, which I personally love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so the main character, she's this little badass and like she's snarky, which another one of my favorite character, I guess, tr- I don't know if tropes is the right word, but um, in her family and in the love interests family, there is this, like, it's genetic where you're able to time travel, but not everybody in the family gets it. So she grew up thinking that she, that gene passed her. And then one day she's like, oh, wait. <laughs> I'm able to travel to through time now. What is going on? And so it's really good. There's a mystery element to it. If you like audiobooks, I would highly recommend the audiobooks. And it was translated from German by Anthea Bell. And then the last book is actually on my TBR. It's been um, it's one that I've been wanting to read for a while. It's called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga Tokerzuk? Yeah, yeah, that one was a yeah, that one yeah. I almost checked out. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I've been it's wanting a good to title. read. Yeah, and it was originally in Polish, and it was one it won the Nobel Prize in Literature, which I was like, okay, it makes me want to read it even more. But it was um, the translator was Antonia Lloyd Jones, and it's kind of a mystery meets fairy tale. If I can understand what the premise of the books about there's um the main character she she you know she likes animals more than she likes people she's kind of a little bit of like a grumpy recluse and cranky um people end up like in her neighborhood and it's in a remote polish village um end up turning turning up dead in the village and so she then starts putting herself into the investigation because she thinks she knows who who's did it and um apparently it it explores like madness and because she might have like mental health issues and it just it looks fascinating and i i will be honest the, i i was first attracted to the book by the title oh yeah <laughs> but yeah so those are the ones that i would recommend if you're looking for some some books uh, that have been translated into english and i just kind of realized too that there are some more like popular stuff that uh came to mind like Anything written by Joe Nesbo, right? Is, yeah. Is translated into English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all of the Swedish thrillers. Yeah, like yeah. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, that mm-hmm. series too. Um, yeah. Or who's the author who wrote like Bear Town and yes. Ancient oh. People? Frederick Bachman? Bachman? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And those have been translated and those are hugely popular. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. bet there's... um. And and there's like just even more classics, you know, the Metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I read The Art of War for the first time. It was interesting because the translation that I was reading was hailed by like you know top business execs as a <laughs> they read The Art of oh. War, and I'm just like, it's very sensible, you know, like a lot of the stuff in there is like how to avoid going to war. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, if they really read this and gained inspiration from this, I don't think they understood. Because there's a whole 
um, part before the translation too that's like cultural competency training because as someone who's not you know who, who is of the western mind reading this book you can't just read it and try and understand the context I think yeah and which is a good point that we should bring up with when you're reading books that were translated um, from different languages there are you to better understand the book you might need to do kind of the look at the culture and the history um, to have a better appreciation and understanding because I hate it when people are like uh, if they give a, a book a bad review just because it doesn't relate to them and I'm like you are you are not the center of the world you are not every character is going to look like you at least you shouldn't be reading books that only look and sound and think like you because that's not helping you I think it's definitely a skill you that one needs to develop as a reader to be able to say, you know, either I, I didn't finish this because I couldn't relate to it, but I can see the benefits or to finish a book and say, you know, this wasn't my favorite, but it has X, Y, and Z benefits. Like that's a critical reading skill that I think is not as prominent right now as it as it probably should be and I think it's it is important to keep an open mind as a reader especially once you start delving into books that don't have people who look like you or sound like you that maybe it wasn't for you but you can learn from it and take good things away from it yeah that's why I'm glad um Ken Liu, when he was translating Three Body Problem, apparently there are a bunch of footnotes for all the different um, historical and cultural things in the book, uh, which might be slightly overwhelming when I'm reading it. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> it was like, I imagine there will have to be a lot of footnotes because a lot of it centers around the Cultural Revolution, which is a thing in history that I don't know that much about, except that it was really bad for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So is that going to be the book that you read for this prompt? That's what I'm going to attempt to read. We'll see if my brain will allow me to read something that complex and dense with footnotes or if it'll be like, no. Something I hadn't thought about until I was looking at The Three Musketeers, which I read, good God, probably in middle school, early high school. I started early in life with the swashbuckling, y'all. Uh, plus any when I did read it any memory I have of it has been vastly overlaid with the 1993 Disney movie uh, which I also highly recommend D'Artagnan <laughs> come D'Artagnan we're saving the king I love it oh god it's such a good movie <laughs> okay I won't start quoting because I'll never stop um anywho some some books are only going to have one translator especially if it was a recent title that was just translated but for things like classics you may want mm -hmm. to bear in mind there could be multiple translation options some of them are going to be preferred in you know in the reading community over others but it could affect your enjoyment. So you might want to look at who translated it, when it was translated. For example, for The Three Musketeers, I believe it's the Richard Pivar translation is sort of the preferred one because in other translations, there were things that were toned down or changed for certain reading audiences depending on when it was translated. 
especially yeah for the classics like even with the odyssey and the iliad people will say hey you want to do these trans read these translations versus other ones oh my gosh so it's sort of tangentially related i my friends i was who just had a baby i was asking them oh do you have any books yet like what have you been reading they said they purchased natalie portman's book of fables or whatever um it is just a a little bit denser than a picture book and it's three stories it's the rabbit and the hare or sorry the tortoise and the hare um the three little pigs and but then they're not natalie portman's no but she makes they're like a spin on them and y'all they are dumb (laughs) dumb as fuck (laughs) sorry natalie portman i love you you're wonderful you are a talented actress but these books are terrible i mean this this single singular book um so like they're trying to sort of instill these values of i guess um with the tortoise and the hare being present the hare got too distracted so kind of like people are distracted on their phones and things like that Mm -hmm. you know and so that the tortoise was present was able to you know so it's like okay that's not exactly what the moral of that story is um, I think the three little pigs was their houses weren't built sustainably or something like that. I think there was environmental <laughs> components to the three little pigs. I don't know. Like it's it's just the first world fable tape. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many picture books that are written by celebrities because I guess they think it's easy to write a picture book or to come up with a picture book idea. I think Julie Andrews has a whole picture book line. Um, Weird Al has picture books. Um, what? The uh, Catherine Hahn, who plays Agatha in WandaVision, has a picture book. Um, no. Jason Siegel wrote a whole like middle grade series called Nightmare or Nightmares. Uh, well, I think, was it Julie Andrews? It wasn't a picture book, but it's kind of like, I guess it'd be a middle grade. It came out in the 90s. I remember loving it's it. It's called Mandy and <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, the last of the really Oh no, yeah, that one too. No, I'm thinking of the I did read those too. Yeah, the last of the really great Wang Doodles. I loved it. It's a fantasy book and it's so good. I don't know that it's well, Wang Doodles. <laughs> what? Wonga Doodles. It is Wonga Doodles? I have it pulled up right now. It's Wang Doodles? That's terrible. No, Wang. W H A N G. D is all one word. Um, it's a so it's W H A N G D O O D L E S. Last the last of the really great wing doodles. Maybe I'm pronouncing <laughs> the word wrong. Um, so, is this the, like the portraits that we paint. Uh, I wish we were in Zoom so I could share my screen to show you. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that we kind of went off on a tangent from translations to books written by celebrities, um, some of which are good, some of which are bad. You uh, should read Last of the Really Great Wing Doodles. Okay. I think I actually have a copy, Brittany. I'll see if I can find it if you want to borrow it. I need to read it again and see if it holds up to the test of time, though. Hey, we have a challenge for like, that. Have you read any books where you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. I think I'm going to do that. But... <laughs> So speaking of the reading challenge, um, we are going to be pulling the first winner um, at the end of this month. Um, so 
um, you can share whatever books you're reading for our different prompts on Twitter or Instagram. Just you tag us and use the hashtag Ask Us Reading Challenge. Gabby even created a Instagram story template so you can then plug in which books you are reading for which of the prompts. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing that when we're done with this episode. But yeah, so feel free to join us. We'd love to see what you're reading. Each of our episodes, we are giving suggestions for the different prompts. Uh, but if you have any, if you want, if these um, suggestions aren't good enough, you'd like some more, let us know and we'll be happy to librarian that for you. And I also wanted to clarify a question somebody asked on Instagram. One person, one book prompts, one entry, if that makes sense. So like, yeah, each book that you read is an entry. Yes, but one person could not submit an entry for multiple entries of the same book prompts. Right. One book cannot be your multiple entries. So it has to be one person, one book, one prompt, one entry. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, you can, you could read something that could actually fill multiple prompts, but we're only taking it as one prompt. Yes. So pick a prompt. So, cause this is a, yeah. Cause this is a year long reading challenge. Um, we wanted the, the prompts to be some of them pretty broad. So that way you can, you know, put whatever you're currently reading, maybe could fit that. But also we wanted to challenge you a little bit to maybe read outside of your comfort zone. And we are participating in it as well. Yes. I love that template you made, Gabby. I already posted mine. Yay. Thank you. And I, I saw that you're, you are blowing me out of the water, Amanda. I'm way behind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm losing a lot of steam at this point. Cause I, at the beginning of the year, I was very motivated. And now the last couple of books that I've read, I can't figure out how to make bit a prompt so I'm like oh no now I have to actually start intentionally picking books which is the whole point of the challenge but yeah (laughs) it's challenging me (laughs) um so now it's time for our one star goodreads review So I decided to pick Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky because it had I think somewhere around 15,000 reviews on Goodreads, which just shows you how many people have been forced to read this book um, (laughs) for different... None of them read it of their own free will. ...English uh, classes or or Russian literature classes or whatever class. I think the reviews were also in like dozens of languages too, which I was really impressed by because this book has been translated in many languages. So this review comes from Christine, who rated it one star back in April 4th of 2007. Instead of reading this book, drink vodka in a dark room and think depressing thoughts. That will give you about the same experience and you'll have a better time. (laughs) (laughs) Vodka. Vodka. (laughs) 